You are listening to the Pursuit Church Essay Podcast. We are a group of imperfect, real people on a mission to pursue God and love people. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. You know, today we're going to continue in the series that we've been in, Moments, Markers, and Monuments. And we're going to be talking today about altars. You know, altars are a kind of a very special kind of monument, for, for lack of a better term. We're going to talk about altars today. The definition of an altar, just the definition, is simply a place where sacrifices are offered in worship, a place which serves at a, as the center of worship. And in biblical times, which are the altars we're going to be talking about today, an altar was a place to offer a sacrifice or a gift as an atonement for sin, or it was a place where God was worshipped, and you would bring something, and God would bestow power and spiritual strength. All throughout the Old Testament specifically, we see Noah, a guy named Abram, Isaac, Jacob, Gideon, David, all built altars to God. And they built them after they had some kind of an encounter or a moment with God. And they built the altar to memorialize or to remember that moment. Simply put, an altar is a place to worship and to honor God. It's a place where we bring something to God and where we receive something from God. You know, all throughout Scripture, we read about altars. If you, you know, as you go through the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, they mention all kinds of different altars, altars to the God of this, the God of that, the God of what's happening over there, altars to God. Um, They all talk about a moment with God that was memorialized. That's the, the biblical altars. I'm not talking about the altars to the foreign gods, but the altars that were built to God Almighty were built to memorialize something, to remember that encounter with God. And actually, Scripture says that the very first altar that you hear mentioned in the Bible was built by Noah. Now, if you remember the story of Noah, Noah built the ark, right? Um, there's a VeggieTales song about that. Noah Here he goes singing it. So um, there, it, Noah built the ark, right? He built the ark, and it sailed on the water, flooded the earth. But when it was all said and done, and God receded the waters, and it all dried up, Noah built an altar And he built an altar because God gave him a covenant promise. And he promised to never destroy the earth or creation like that again. So Noah had a moment with God when it all cleared away because God had been faithful to his promise that he would take care of Noah and his family. And when it all cleared away, he built an altar to remember God. That's the very first altar we hear about in Scripture. And he actually built it when the ark landed on Mount Ararat. Say that three times yeah. fast. Mount Ararat. Ararat. Okay. Um, and it, it's still there. So that was the first altar. The second altar that we see in Scripture is actually the very first altar that Abram built. Today we want to focus on the altars that Abram built. Abram is Abraham, but he started out being called Abram. And if we had a sermon title, it would be Abram's Altars. So let me give you a little background intel on Abram or Abraham. Abram didn't have any connection to God at all. Actually, he was from Ur, the land of Ur, and the land of Ur was in Mesopotamia. I had to practice saying that, y'all. And Mesopotamia is in what is now modern-day Iraq. So Abram had no context of God. He had no idea who he was. He didn't know him. But um, actually, actually, this is an important side point. Abram's people worshipped idols. Yeah. That were the, those were the gods that they worshipped. 
So Abram was just an ordinary guy, just ordinary like us, right? Just a regular guy. And God wanted to use him in a very extraordinary way. Again, like he wants to use us. We're just ordinary people that God wants That's to right. use That's in good. a very extraordinary way. Water break. <clears throat> so this is the way God works. All throughout the Bible, you see he just picked ordinary people to bring about his message, to show his love to other people, and to bring the redemption story of Jesus Christ. That's right. Ordinary people like us. Abram was just a regular guy. He was a hardworking man. He was living a prosperous life. He was, you know, living his best life with his family, right, over there in Ur. And his life was really good. He had a lot of things. He was rich, but something was missing. Yeah, that's right. Something very big was missing. Abram and his wife, Sarai, had no children. And he was like 75 years old when God approached him for the first time. He was old, and he so had what? no kids. 75? Yeah. That's Jeez. old. I can't even right. imagine. Anyway... Scripture doesn't tell us how Abram and Sarai felt about not having children. But if you look at the culture at the time, it was kind of a big deal if you didn't have kids. Kids were an important part of a family at that time. They still are now, but back then they were super important. And there's a lot of reasons why. First of all, they were the historians of the family. They were legacy. They carried on the family name. They made sure that the family name didn't die with just that one generation, right? right? And so if you didn't have kids back in those days, it was looked upon as a problem, that there was something wrong with you. Some people even believed it was a, um, an indication of a sin, some sin you were living in. Um, so children were a big deal, and not having them was really bad. Ancient civilizations all needed children in the family. They helped um, the family grow. They helped the family work. They were, um, they were, it was a very gregarian society at the time, and even if it wasn't, they needed the kids to help them in the family, to help them in the home, to help them in the land. It was just a big deal. They worked alongside the parents to support and maintain the family. They learned the way of a culture so that they could share it with future generations. Not having kids was not good. So, when Abram and God had a conversation initially, when God spoke to Abram, it was very, very significant what God said. Absolutely. So, let's, if you don't mind, let's stand if you can, and we're going to read about this encounter that God and Abram had. It's found in the book of Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 3 and verse 7. And this is what it says. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. And so he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. You may be seated. As Karen mentioned, Abram was 75 years old when God had this conversation with him. So first of all, let's stop and, and remember that you're never too old for a do-over. Right. Okay, I don't care how old you are as long as you have right. breath in your lungs. It is never too late for God to do something in your life. It also shows that God really doesn't believe in retirement. You know, we, we, we may uh, retire from a job. We may, you know, go into quote-unquote retirement. But in God's kingdom, there is no retirement. Right. 
There is no retirement. God is going to be with you, bless you, uh, interact with you, and expects you to do the same with him to the very last breath that you have on this earth. That, that is his, that's what he wants. In fact, we're living examples. Uh, you know, God's taken two uh, people here in their 50s who had a certain plan for their life. You know, we're going to travel, we're going to do all these things. And he brought us to a completely different part of town to plant a church. Yeah. Okay. God's never done. God's never done. You know, man may bench you, and that is a fact, but God does not step us down. He doesn't bench us. Like Bob said, we were empty nesters. We had all these plans, and God's like, "Mm, no, I got something else for y'all to do. You're not done yet. So don't ever get discouraged and think that because you're sitting on the bench that you've been benched because God has the final say. So good. So good. So let's get back to our story of, of Abram here. So the scripture says that God told Abram, Abram that he would make him a great nation and give him the land to his what? Descendants. Wow. That's a huge promise that God made to Abram seemingly impossible, right? Here he was 75 years old and God's talking about basically kids, right? Your descendants, right? And I think that was probably the dangling carrot that God used to kind of get Abram's attention and to get him looped into, hey, this is the promise that I have for you. Because really the first altar that Abram built that we just read about was really based on an altar of promise, right? It was his promise God's promise to Abram that actually caused him to want to build that altar, right? And when God gives us a promise, just like Abram, the very first thing we need to do is believe it. Yeah. Woo! Because sometimes the promises that God gives us can be difficult to believe, right? It's like, how on earth, God, are you going to do that? And yet the very first thing, Abram didn't know how he was going to do it. But the very first thing Abram did was believe. In fact, James chapter 2, verses 23 says this. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. By the way, righteousness is just a fancy word that means right standing with God. It just means you're standing in the right place. Okay? And simply because God, uh, because Abram believed God, that put him in a right place with God. That's good. Okay? And God called him friend. Wow. God ultimately called him friend. Wow. Years ago, before I met Karen, I was going through a divorce. And I had a moment with God where he gave me a promise that changed my life. That changed my life. You know, I'd spent two decades investing in a relationship Believing that that relationship was going to be forever and putting all my hopes and dreams and tying everything into that relationship, right? For more than 20 years. And here it was falling apart, literally right in front. Maybe some of you have had some things fall apart in your life that you thought were going to be forever. Maybe I'm not alone in that. And, you know, I was trying my best to deal with it. Uh, I was just doing what you do when you really want to avoid... (laughs) A problem, right? You keep working, you work harder, you go to the gym, you, know, you put all these other things in your life to take your mind off it or to think that those things are somehow going to fix it. And yet, I remember one Sunday, I stood at an altar and I had a moment with God. I was hurting, I was literally crying, 
I was like, God, I, I don't know what, I don't know what you want to do. I really don't know what you want to do. And in that moment, God gave me a promise at that altar. He said, I'm not done. I'm not done with you. I've got plans for you. I've got hopes and dreams I still want to see fulfilled in your life. And he gave me just an assurance and a promise that he was not done, that this was not the end for me. And there's something in my spirit as I stood at that altar that just resonated with me, that just, that just deep in my spirit just gave me hope and comfort and peace. I didn't know how God was going to do that. Okay, I had no clue. Just like Abram, I, I really had no idea how he was going to do it. But I believed he would do it. I believed I, I'd seen God enough in my life. I'd had enough experiences with him. See, unlike Abram, Abram actually didn't have any experiences with God when he said, I believe. At least I had the advantage, some advantage of I'd seen God do some things in my life. Right. So I had some reference point. Sometimes you don't have any reference point. (laughs) Sometimes you just you have no idea how God's going to do what he's promising you he's going to do. And that's what we need to do sometimes when God makes us a promise. Sometimes it's just a matter of simply believing. You know, we don't have to have every detail. We don't have to have every, you know, uh, part of God's word says he he's a lamp at our feet that actually guides. Well, that, that's a step-by-step process, right? Yep. Now, like Abram, I was trusting God for the destination. I had no idea what the journey was going to look like. I was, just tr- I, was, I was trusting that the destination he was pointing out to me, like Abram, hey, I'm going to give you a land. So God shared the destination, but he didn't share how he was going to get him there. And that's what Abram did. He believed in the destination that God had for him. And I believed in the destination that God had for me. And that's why God called Abraham a friend. He's called a friend of God. So let's look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 8. And it says, From there, Abram moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. The second altar that Abram built was an altar of prayer. Wow, that's good. The first place that we see is when he built an altar, he called upon the name of the Lord. That's the first place we see Abram pray to God. There's significance in that because he was acknowledging God. You don't pray to something unless you're acknowledging that it exists. And that's when Abram was starting his relationship with God when he started having communication with him. Prayer is communication with God. And it says that he called upon the name of the Lord. That's prayer. So first Abram believed, and then he prayed. And the Bible says that he built an altar of prayer in a specific location, a very detailed location. But you know what? We can all build an altar of prayer, and it doesn't mean it's in a specific location. Yeah, that's right. We can build an altar of prayer in our car, on the bus, in the kitchen, at the kitchen table, in the closet. Come on. We don't have to have a specific. That is worth clapping for. Trust me. That's good. I mean, it's true. We don't have to have a specific location. We just need to call upon the name of the Lord. We all have the right, and he's waiting for us to call upon him. You can pray in your closet. I have a chair in the back of my closet. As a matter of fact, yesterday I went to sit in my chair and I noticed there was some dirt. I have a little white rug and there was some dirt on the rug. I told Bob, why are you in my closet in my chair? That's where I talk to God. You stay out of my closet. He's like, 
Okay. Anyway, that's my prayer altar. And wherever you call upon the name of the Lord, that is your prayer altar. Yeah, that's good. Just keep going back. Keep going back. And when I say that, keep going back and make it a habit. Make it a lifestyle. You know, sometimes we just pray to God when we need something, right? When something's going wrong or we're sick or whatever, we pray when we need something. Or we pray when someone else has a need and we want to pray for them, right? What about if we went to God in prayer all the single time, all the time, yeah, every day, good. all day long? Yeah. Think that's about good. it. What if we went to God just to talk to him, just to say, hey, how's your day? My day's awful. Let me tell you about my day. God's a friend. He's waiting. He's waiting. He's our father. He's more than a friend. He's a father. And he's waiting to hear from his kids. We can go to him anytime and tell him about our day. First Thessalonians 5.17 says to pray without ceasing. That means God is expecting us to pray a lot without ceasing. Don't stop. And I want to say this real quick. It's not in the notes, but this is an important part that I want everybody to let sink in your heart. Prayer does not have to be some long, drawn-out, verbose, bunch of big words. You know, even speaking that hither, wither, thither language that none of us understand, right, from the King James Bible. I'm just saying prayer is a conversation. It's a way to honor and worship God, and it's super simple. I mean, he meets us where we are. So we don't have to have some speech prepared just to have a conversation with God. That's just who he is. He keeps it simple. So Abram, he had to learn to pray to God, though. Yeah, that's something good. we learn. We learn. We make a habit by doing over and over and over. We have to learn. That's a spiritual principle, just to learn to pray to God on the regular. And, you know, um, when Abram wasn't, before he started praying to God, he would just do things in his own strength. God called him out of Ur, and he went off. He just believed him, and he went off out of Ur. He didn't really pray, well, should I go in this town? Should I go in that town? He just took off. And at one point, he took a detour. He ended up in Egypt, right? Right. And it was kind of on the way to where God sent him, but not really. It was a bypass. And I don't know why he made that detour. There's a whole long story attached to it. It's in Genesis 12, 10 through 20, and you can read it on your own. And the scripture doesn't say why Abram got off course. And, you know, maybe it was because there was a famine in the land where he was headed to, right? When he was on his path and he was leaving, taking out, there was a famine in the country ahead of him. So maybe he thought, you know, remember, he's a businessman. He's smart. He thought, well, I'm going to avoid that mess. I'm going to go around. And then, you know, he probably thought to himself as a businessman, well, maybe I can sell off some of my stuff over here and make a little bit more money as I'm doing this journey for God, right? He was a smart man. He thought about those things. I don't know Whatever it was that took him off the path, it led him into some bad decisions. And that's kind of the way it is. When we get off on our own and we don't seek God for every single step. God tells us to go somewhere and we're like, all right, I'm going to go, but I'm going to go this way because it's easier. No, 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 no. It may not be easier. I'm going to go this way because I'm going to avoid something. Maybe you're not supposed to avoid something. Uh Uh-oh. We you better, have to you seek better God. preach that for a minute. Come on now. We have to seek him. Whew. We have to seek him because he knows better than us. He knows tomorrow. He knows yesterday, he knows right now, but he also knows tomorrow. We don't know tomorrow. That's right. So when Abraham didn't seek God, he got all messed up in Egypt. And it got so bad, again, go back and read it in Genesis. It's a really interesting story. It got so bad that the Pharaoh was hunting him down. He was yep. hunting him down and literally threw him out of the country, said, you got to go. Take all your stuff and get out. Can you imagine? Imagine, just think for a minute, the government is after you, right? Uh-oh. You get locked down. And the government's after you. They've locked you down. They put you in jail. You don't know what's going to happen. And you don't know if you're going to be in jail for the rest of your life. You're in a foreign country. Think about that. That's kind of scary, right? That's actually happening right now in our country. But I'm not going to go down that road. Point is, I want to focus on 
that when we don't seek God, he still sees us. That's good. That's really good. He's always seeking, even though we aren't, and he sees us. He sees us right where we are. That's right. And God saw the mess that Abraham got into when he got off on his own in Egypt. And God had a plan. He intervened on Abram's behalf because, remember, God told him to go do something. He was on a mission from God. So God had a plan to get Abram back on track. And the good news for Abram is he actually learned his lesson. <laughs> you know, he learned, you know, getting off the path on your own is, is a dangerous place to be uh, when you're not with God. So what he did, as soon as he could, he actually got back on the original road God told him to. You remember the first road God says, I have this land for you. And that's where he was headed before he detoured to Egypt, right? So what he did is he got back on the road. And when he got back on the road, he went back to that altar of prayer, that second altar he'd built. He went back there. He actually went back there. In fact, in Genesis chapter 13, 3 and 4, this is what it says. And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord, just like he did when he was on the right path, right? Abram was learning to seek God now into everything that he needed. He knew that prayer was the key to developing a relationship with God. He was learning that now. He was starting to get it. And Abram believed God when he was first given a promise. He didn't question him. He trusted him. But we see how Abram's relationship with God is starting to grow now, right? Grow from the moment he built that altar of prayer to God. And when God, when Abram opened up that direct line of communication with God, guess what? His relationship with God began to grow. And isn't that the way it works, right? In almost any relationship, right? You need to spend time with somebody to get to know them. Abram was learning to spend time with God. We need to spend time with God if we want to know him. Come on. If we want to build a relationship with him, we've got to spend time with him. There's, There's no shortcuts. And Abram tried the shortcut, didn't work, and he's finally realizing there are no shortcuts with God. And guess what, y'all? There ain't no shortcuts for us either. We got to spend time with God if we want to know him. We got to spend time with him. And prayer is one of the greatest ways that we can do that and build that relationship. Abram got to know God through prayer. Now, of course, he saw the power of God in his life of protection and provision. He'd already seen that. But their relationship became closer as this constant communication and prayer continued to grow. It became so close, in fact, that God eventually would change his name to Abraham. That's how close they got. Remember, a name change, even in our lives, oftentimes is normally a result of a close relationship. Think about it. When you get married... There's generally a name change, at least for one party, but you're becoming, you're becoming one, right? So there's, there's this name change. The birth of a child, you're actually giving them a name. So, so this concept of receiving a name, changing a name is 
rooted in a very close relationship. And that's what Abram experienced with God. The closer he got, he got so close that eventually God would change his name. You see, Abram got the order right eventually. God gave him a promise, and he believed it. That belief gave him hope, and so he prayed. And his prayers led to a greater faith. Abram's last altar that he built, we're going to call it the altar of faith. But that altar didn't come without some tests first. That's right. That altar was not one that Abram built on his own either. All the other ones Abram built on his own, but this one God told him to build an altar. And it was an altar of faith because the test coming would test Abram's faith. That's right. When God had promised Abram that he would give him children and make him a father of many nations, Abram was 75 years old. Now, time had passed, and Abram had been walking with God and be believing and waiting for that promise, right? And after a decade of building that relationship with God, a relationship of love and trust and faith, Abram still believed. But remember, Abram had a wife, Sarah. Well, guess what? Sarah got impatient. Yep. She started talking to Abram, chit-chat. She came up with a crazy idea, y'all. She talked Abram into sleeping with his servant girl to maybe have a child through her because Sarah hadn't gotten pregnant yet, right? I'm going to stop right there. (laughs) This woman was crazy. There is no way that I would tell my husband to go do that. I mean... (laughs) Some of you in this room know I get a little weird if somebody stands a little too close to my husband. <laughs> I will tell you, you know what, sister? I love you and I bless you in Jesus' name, but you're about to meet him sooner than you thought you would if you don't back up off my man. That's the way I look at it. And I know, you know, most of the time it's just innocent, but get out of his space, okay? We ain't sharing nothing today. Sarah had this crazy idea for Abram to do this, and so he's like, a man. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I guess if I got to do it, I got to do it. But she talked him into something that he never intended to do. That was not his idea. That was her idea. This brings me to this little side point. We need to be real careful about who or what we let speak into our Uh lives. Yep. What we hear may sound like a good idea. It may even sound like part of God's big plan or maybe even something that God's telling us. But if it's contrary to the word of God, that's not God talking to you. That's right. So good. Not at all. Come on. Marriage is God's idea. And marriage in the beginning. Now, I know Old Testament, they went off into crazy stuff, right? Just remember the Israelites were disobedient. Intentionally, from the beginning, God planned marriage to be between a man and a woman. And the marriage bed was not to be defiled. That's what the Bible says. That's right. Sarah was telling her husband to defile the marriage bed. That was not God. That was her idea. Not anything she told Abram lined up with the word of God. But she didn't check it. And it might have seemed like a good idea to have a child that way, right? God said he was going to promise us children. We'll just help him out a little bit. Ooh, anyone like to help God with his plan? But let me tell you something. When you help God out a little bit, that's going to bring drama. That's going to bring trauma. That's going to bring stress. And that's going to bring chaos into your life. That's exactly what they did. Because this child came along, Ishmael, and it brought all kinds of chaos into their lives. Chaos we're still dealing with today in the Middle East. God is a God of order 
and he's a God of peace. If we think what we're hearing from him or what he's telling us is going to bring chaos, stress, strife, or even pressure into our lives, that's not God's voice you're hearing. And we need to know the voice of truth versus the voice of the enemy or the voice of our own good ideas, right? Yeah, that's right. Remember, y'all, Satan is a Bible scholar. The devil knows scripture. He quoted it back to Jesus in the wilderness. He knows scripture. He knows it better than any of us in this room know it. And he's always about twisting it, twisting it, twisting it to get us off course from what God sent us to do. And this is why this time God was telling Abraham to build an altar. Abram's faith was about to be put to the test. And God needed to give Abram a reminder of how he handled the situation. Now, remember, God knows the future. He knew what Abram was going to do. And he was telling him, I need you to take your son and go build an altar, right? That's right. Genesis 22 tells the story of how Abram asked, God had asked Abram to take his beloved son, his promised son. Remember, God promised Abram a son. Isaac was the promised son. Isaac was the son that Sarah birthed. That was the son that God had promised them. That was the lineage from which the nations were going to be built. And God told Abram in Genesis 22, and you should go and read the story because we don't have time to get into it today, but that was the promised son. And he was the son that wasn't going to bring drama into their lives. God told Abram to take Isaac up to the mountain and to offer him up there as a burnt sacrifice. That's crazy, I know. Just just stay with me. Stay with me. Wow. Abraham obeyed God. Remember, he had no context for God, but he just believed. So he was still in that line of, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to trust him. So he took his, his promised son, took him up, and he laid him on the altar where God told him to go. And just about, as he was about to sacrifice Isaac, God told him to stop immediately. Genesis 22:12 says, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your only son from me. Wow. Now notice God said your only son. He was telling Abraham that he knows he got off course. And he saw the pain and the drama and the trauma that that little sidestep took him. But God's promise remains no matter what we do. Amen. Amen. We can mess stuff up, get things off in our own strength, and really make a hot mess of things. But God's promises are yea and amen, and they remain true. Yes. God was reminding Abraham through that altar of his faithfulness. Amen. That's that so good. God would do what he said he was going to do. That's right. And then God blessed Abram's obedience, and he repeated again his promise to make a nation from Abram's lineage. Verse 18 says, And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Faith brings obedience. Obedience brings a blessing. Wow, how powerful. Y'all, God didn't really need or want Isaac's life. That's not what the point was. What he wanted was Abraham's heart. That's really what he wanted here. God was going to use Abraham, you see, to start a nation of people that would be called his people. That's what was going on. And through that nation would come ultimately the birth of a Savior. 
through the, type, through the tribe of Judah. Judah was part of that nation. So you see, God had a big picture in mind, a big plan going on here, but it was going to require Abraham's heart. You know, God told Abraham to sacrifice his son that day, to test Abraham, to see where really his heart was. Now, thank God, literally, that God isn't testing us in that way anymore. And the reason is because ultimately Jesus Christ came and passed the ultimate test. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice so that we didn't have to be. Jesus got up on an altar called a cross and paid that price of sacrifice so that you and I don't have to. And what do we do now? What are we required to do? Simply one thing. It's the same thing that Abram did in the very beginning. Believe. That's all we have to do is literally believe that Jesus Christ came, sacrificed for your sins, for my sins, and gave us eternal life. That's all we have to do now is simply believe just like Abram did. You know, I'm not sure what altar God may be calling you to today. Maybe an altar of promise where he wants to remind you again of the promises that he has for your life. Maybe it's an altar of prayer where you just need to get back in touch with him where you just need to to get in that regular routine again of hearing from him and you talking to him or maybe it's an altar of faith maybe God is calling you to step out in faith in some way in some new way or to believe in him deeper but here's the thing no matter what altar God may be calling you to today it all centers around your heart. He needs to have your heart. And maybe your heart is broken a little bit today. And you don't even know where all the pieces are. That's okay. Because you know what? God specializes in working with broken pieces. Our lives are all broken in some way, shape, or form. Our hearts are all broken in some way, shape, or form. Trust me. But God loves us so much that he keeps pursuing us and he's waiting for us simply to surrender our hearts. To let him bless us with an eternal life beside him. You know, the beauty of the redemptive story of Jesus is that it secures our futures. You know, the world we live in oftentimes is so uncertain. But it is so wonderful to know of God's certainty, of His faithfulness. Just like Abram experienced God's faithfulness, we still experience that and can experience that today. Scripture tells us that in heaven there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain, there will be no more sadness. In fact, the fullness of joy is going to be found today and then in the person of Jesus Christ. You know, if you're not sure that God has your whole heart at this point in your life and you want to give it to him today, today's a great day to do it. It doesn't matter how many pieces it may be in. 
Let's all close our eyes and bow our heads as we, as we pray to the Lord. Lord, we come to you right now. Some of us have been walking with you, but we may have gotten a little off course. The cares and issues of life maybe have, have weakened us a bit in our faith. And today we want to start fresh in the faith that we once had and that we want to have again. And we want to surrender it all, God, to you right here at this altar, at this place. There's some of us here that maybe you've never surrendered your heart to God. And yet right now in this moment, you hear him whispering to you. You hear him calling your name, calling you into a relationship with him. Whatever situation describes you today, wherever you're at in your relationship with God, if you're ready to surrender your whole heart to Jesus, would you just pray this prayer with me right now? And let's all say it together. Dear God, because of your faithful love and great compassion, be merciful to me. I know that I am a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me for my sin. Take away my guilt, my shame, and my regrets. I believe that Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. Today I give you my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Make my spirit strong and ready to obey you. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at PursuitChurchSA.com give. Thank you for listening and remember to follow us to enjoy more messages like this.